You are listening to Shadowlands, the Christian living podcast that encourages, inspires, and equips you to live your life fully. Podcast listeners like you will make this show possible in 2020. So please go to patreon.com forward slash Shadowlands. Again, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Shadowlands to donate and get involved. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm your host, Sarah Ryland. Let's dive into the show. What's up? What's up? What's up, friends? Oh my gosh, shoot. Welcome to season two. I cannot believe we're here. I don't know about you, but this has been a little long in coming. Um, and I am just like so stoked to be here. Um, so stoked that you're listening. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. Um, I have so many great things to share that so many of you have been asking, like, so many questions on so many topics and it's been fantastic. I've been storing away so many things, (laughs) so many topics, so much information. Um, So I really hope that this blesses you and hits you right where you need it. Um, We are going to be launching season two with a three-part series entitled uh, The Abundant Life. And uh, it's actually based um, on a Andrew Murray book that I have that I am actually rereading for the second time. I read it last year. Um, and the book is actually called Absolute Surrender. Now, if you're thinking like, okay, who on earth is Andrew Murray? Um, no worries. He's actually been long gone for a, for a hot second now. He's an old preacher from the 1800s and um, phenomenal, phenomenal, powerful writer, speaker, Um, just has so many amazing things, rich, rich, rich things to share. So um, highly recommend getting that book. Actually, I have several of his books and I think um, actually there there are a few different ones that are actually based on like a kind of like combination of some of his like oral teachings from teaching in seminars and throughout England and different places. So, so actually in this book itself, he references like it's clearly taken from one of his um, seminars, multi-day seminar, whatever teachings that he did um, in England, I guess like at a conference. Um, and so he references the conference sometimes in the book, which is kind of funny. But um, anyway, it's fantastic. It's called Absolute Surrender, really foundational for the Christian life. And I thought, what better way to launch season two than with a series entitled Absolute Surrender, really foundationally laying out how to live the Christian life and its foundations, you know? So we have a lot more complex issues and questions and you know, all sorts of different interesting discussions we're going to get to down the line. Um, But foundationally, this is where we want to start. So today's episode is going to be titled um, Walking in the Spirit or Being Filled with the Spirit. Um, What that means, what that looks like, and why is that the first thing we need to talk about when we're talking about living the Christian life? We'll be addressing some different steps in the Christian walk through this series. Um, And once you've already accepted Jesus, starting with the fact that in order to live the abundant life that we're going to be talking about, God has promised for us, we must first completely and absolutely surrender all that we are and all that we have to God in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the second time. So I'm going to quickly address um, just this fact that in the Bible, there are 
two fillings of the Spirit that we see. Um, We see that when you accept the Lord, when you accept Jesus, that means when you come to the end of yourself and you realize that you need God and you accept his sacrifice on the cross for you and you accept the power of the new life that came from his resurrection, you are filled with his spirit, with his Holy Spirit. That means like that part of God indwells within you and actually gives you the power to live out um, the life that he calls you to because without his spirit, we have no ability to live out that life. And so that is the first filling of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible shows us there's a second filling of the Holy Spirit um, that we see when God, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, when he went back up to heaven after the resurrection and his disciples were waiting and praying and seeking God. And um, then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and filled all of them and empowered them to go out and and do the mission that Jesus had told them before he left. He said, I'm going to send you out to preach the gospel. And so they waited and waited. The Holy Spirit came and filled them and empowered them with what they needed. And then they were able to go out and fulfill that mission that God had given them. So that is the second filling. So we see that in our own lives, that we, we do receive the Holy Spirit when we first accept Jesus, but we do also need this second filling that comes when we really recognize we, we have to be completely surrendered, when we recognize that we can't even live the Christian life on our own. I think it's easy to, as a Christian, like fall into like a routine and start to rely on our own strengths. I think that's human, you know, and there's that human element that comes in where we start to solve things on our own and try to live on our own. And we have to foundationally realize like there's literally no way we can do it in and of ourselves. It doesn't come from within us. It comes from God's spirit. So step one is like accepting Jesus, right? It's the first time we make that initial step to accept him as our savior, as our king, as the leader of our lives, right? We accept what he did for us. That's step one. But what if I told you that there are even now thousands of Christians, self-professed Christians who never even make it past this step and into spiritual maturity? What if I told you is as I found in myself in the past, that that you might be one of those Christians. Are you a Christian? If yes, are you desiring after good things but always struggling and trying to overcome the flesh, over, overcome that sinful nature that just keeps making you fail time and time again? If yes... Are you always trying to do more for your faith, just to do more for Jesus on your own strength? I have a story here that Andrew tells in this book about a young man who was doing mission work in England, and um, someone had told him this story. Then he told me a story of a young man of high promise who was in England working for Christ. That young man had great gifts, but my friend could not understand why, with all those gifts, he did not get more blessing. Well, these two men spent a whole day in trying to find out what it was that was hindering the younger of them from being a greater blessing. It was only gradually they discovered that the root of the trouble was unbelief. He did not think it possible to live out the consecrated life. He was not assured that God was ready to give the blessing. 
The younger had to take a meeting, uh, but the other said, I will take your meeting, go home, come back tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. He came back the next morning and they began to speak and pray again. And in the course of the day, the young man saw what it was to trust God for the power of a life in full surrender and received a blessing from God. And since that time, he had been 10 times more blessed in his work than ever before. Oh, do believe that if you are ready and willing, it is possible for God to make a spiritual man of you or woman. (laughs) Only try and just get a vision of the spiritual life. What is that vision? You know, the word speaks about two powers of life, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh, our life under the power of sin, and the spirit, God's life coming to take the place of our life. What we need and what the Bible tells us is to give our whole life with every idea of strength or power away unto death to become nothing and to receive the life of Christ and the life of the Spirit to do all for us. Do believe that that can be. You say, that is so high and holy and glorious. I just don't think I can reach it. No, you cannot. But God will send it down to you. Your reaching up is the great danger in and of itself. You cannot reach it. But if you believe that God wants in a supernatural way, according to his everlasting love, to give you down from heaven the power of the Holy Spirit, then God will do for you more than you can ask or think. I'm about to get super real with you guys here. This is something I have for real struggled with. Trusting that God wants to use me and fill me with good gifts. I've had trouble trusting this for myself in my own life. I think in some ways I've become guarded and protected because of just different traumas and things that I've been through in my own life and I've had a lot of trouble letting these walls down and just trusting, trusting that God wants good for me. Can you relate with that? Have you been letting life experiences harden you or make you bitter or make you walled up? Or have you become complacent or content with where you're at, safe, so to speak, in your little bubble of complacency and just not moving forward? Andrew goes on to say in another section, I do not think I can put the blessedness of being filled with the Spirit more clearly before you than by just pointing to the wonderful change which the Pentecost made in the lives of the disciples. And again, the Pentecost was that day when the Holy Spirit filled them. I think that is one of the most wonderful object lessons in the whole of Scripture. Those 12 men under Christ's training for three whole years and yet remaining, apparently, at such a distance from the life they ought to live. And then all at once, by the blessed incoming of the Holy Spirit, being made just what God had wanted them to be. Look first at the change that Pentecost wrought in their relationship with Jesus. During his life on earth with them, they could not have him within them, right? Because he was outside of them. He was separated from them, very near, very loving. And yet, if I may say so with deep reverence, what a failure of Christ's teaching of them was until the Holy Spirit came. Christ taught them humility time after time. He said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He said, time after time, 
He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Yet at the Holy Communion table, there they were, still contending which of them should be chief, which would be best. Christ did not conquer their pride. This was not for the want of divine teaching. Why was it then? It was because of one thing. Christ was still outside of them, and he could not get into their heart to dwell there. It was impossible. The time had not come, and there they had the divine, almighty, blessed Redeemer along with them, but still outside. And how different they were from him to teach us that no outward instruction, even from Christ himself or his words in Holy Scripture, can bring us the true and full blessing till the Holy Spirit works it in us. This is about Jesus making his home in you, abiding in you, dwelling in you, in us. What an incredible and powerful and beautiful and humbling gift. His residing in us, it renews us and restores us and empowers us and and convicts us and it makes us new people. It makes us like him. Doesn't your heart yearn for this? If you know Christ, doesn't your heart long for him to take control and lead your life from that innermost place? To have him fill every nook and cranny, every room, every little closet and hidden hallway in your heart to bring light to it, to restore it to be known and changed and empowered for that newness of life. Andrew says, Jesus within, the very Jesus who is the almighty one, creator, right, of the universe, who died on the cross and sits upon the throne, condescending to be our life, coming down to be our life. And that is what the spirit comes for. Jesus said, He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and show it to you. And what is the glory of Jesus? His love and his power. And the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ in us, so that the wonderful love of Christ shall be a possession and a reality in its divine nearness, and that the power of Christ shall have the mastery within us. I want to repeat that last line because I love it. That the power of Christ shall have the mastery within us. Dang. (laughs) Oh, that's what it's all about. It's about Jesus taking the wheel, so to speak. Jesus taking control, leading us. But you know what that also requires? It requires us submitting to his perfect will, to his abundant life. The beauty of being filled with the spirit is that means Christ is always with you. Unlike the disciples in the first three years of their journey with Jesus, right? He could not be with them always as he was a man, right? So he'd be here or there, but he was never always with them, right? We read of times where Jesus went off alone to pray and went off um, to speak to different people. And, you know, he wasn't always with all the disciples, right? So because of this, they were not fully empowered or even fully understanding of his truth that he was teaching, But with the Spirit living, active, alive inside of us, it means that He is at this very moment very present with you and with I in each aspect of our daily lives. And you know what? He's waiting, listening, and working. He's present with us in it all. 
This presence of the Holy Spirit is unbroken, continual, and forever. Andrew says, is this not what your heart longs for? Do not you know what it is sometimes to live a week or a month in a joy that makes your heart sing all the day? And the change comes, and the cloud and darkness come, and you do not know why it is, sometimes with the cares and with the difficulties of this life, sometimes with the consciousness of your own failure. Oh, child of God, would that I could tell you and see it myself aright, Jesus does love you. He does not want to be separated from you one minute. He cannot bear it. We want to believe that love of Jesus. No mother ever so delighted in the baby she has in her arms as does the Christ of God in you. He wants to be most intimate with you and to have most unceasing fellowship with you. Take that in, beloved believer, and say today, if that be possible, God helping me, I must have this filling of the Holy Spirit that I may have Jesus always dwelling in my heart. If you're enjoying today's episode and don't want to miss out on any of the good stuff I got coming, please be sure to subscribe on your preferred platform and leave a review. I love hearing from you guys, your thoughts and ideas and suggestions, and really, I just love hearing how the show is helping you. But that's all for me. Let's get back to the show. Now, let's shift from looking at the change it creates in our relationship with Jesus to the change it makes in our inner life. Looking at the lives of the disciples, they were, until the Pentecost, lives of failure and of weakness. Their pride was displayed often in thinking themselves bigger than they were, fighting over, like we talked about, who would be honored, which would be best. You know, their pride and their self-confidence was the cause of continual failure. You remember Peter? telling Jesus that he would never deny him. After Jesus prophesied, he would. And only hours later, he did. It's our pride and confidence in ourselves that leads us to failure in our walks with Christ. However, it is our recognition in our weakness and throwing ourselves at Jesus' feet, recognizing him as our need, as our source of strength that brings abundant life working inside us and then through us. How many times have you said to God, Lord, I just want to be rid of this weakness. I want to be rid of this sin of these, these habits. I just, I keep trying and I can't break them. I'm so sorry. I I hate this. We stop, we're, we're trying to stop sinning and we're trying to stop doing the things that don't please the Lord. We come back to him time and time again, overwhelmed with sadness, with with shame, with grief, with frustration, with anger at ourselves. This is because we are still walking in our own strength, in our own inner power, which is weak and finite and not able to deliver us from these habits on its own. And that is because the Holy Spirit living in us is what cleanses us and empowers us. It's nothing from ourselves. His spirit makes us holy and then equips us to live out the mission God has called us to, boldly sharing the truth and the good news of the gospel to those around us, and even more powerfully, to living it out, which can often be more of a testament in and of itself. 
Another incredible showing of this interchange is the love that united the disciples into one body. We just mentioned their arguing and selfishness among them and how they fought over who was best and were stuck. We're just stuck in, in their own ways because they hadn't yet received the Spirit. Murray tells us to observe not what God just did for them individually, but how he molded them into one body. And they felt conscious that they were the members of one Lord Jesus. And they loved each other so that they did things which were utterly unheard of at the time. Though perfect strangers to each other, most of them, they began to sell their goods and give away their property and to say they had all things in common. This was the result of the Holy Spirit having come down as the very love of God in heaven to dwell in their hearts. And do not you find that your greatest difficulty in life is your relation to your fellow Christians? Is not that our first temptation to sin in our relationship with our fellow Christians? Very often, people who have to work together differ in temperament and in character and how easily friction comes in, right? There are people who differ in regard to some theological truth or practical way of doing Christ's work and how they speak or write against each other. Alas, what separations there are in Christ's church on earth, even amongst those who are professing to love God and professing holiness and entire consecration. What divisions unceasingly come? It is such a sad thing. How many earnest Christians there are who have so much to say about one another. They can point out where I am wrong, and I can point out where they are wrong, but how few there are of Christians differing from each other distinctly who can say, above all our differences, there is a unity which we must express. We want continual fellowship in the presence of our one Father. Do you want to have a heart overflowing with love to every child of God, to all the children of God outside your own circle? Do you want a heart of love that can set others on fire? Do you want the very love of heaven to flow out from you? Do you want the self-sacrificing love of Jesus to take possession of you so that you can bear and forbear, so that with the long-suffering and tenderness and gentleness and the very meekness of Christ, the Lamb of God, You are willing to be the helper and servant of everyone, however unlovable or unlovely, then, my friend, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Cry for that. Claim that. Accept that. Rest not till you have it. The Spirit is the Spirit of God's love and is the Spirit of the crucified love of Christ. If we receive the Holy Ghost, the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts and God will melt us into one as never before. We see that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not only necessary for our outer work, for that work of service to the Lord, right? Whether it's, you know, working as an actual like missionary or pastor, what we might call full-time ministry, or working as an insurance agent or a college student or an artist or a salesman or a plumber, which is, you know, actually full-time missions if you look at it that way. Whatever it is, God's filling of his Holy Spirit is what enables us to be filled to overflowing with vision for those around us that need him. 
It's what fills us with compassion for those around us that are searching and hurting. And it's what fills us with the boldness and the power to speak truth into their lives where they need it most. Not only this, but we see it flows from a deep awakening in our innermost soul that the Holy Spirit brings within us before working through us. How incredible is God's love that he wants to so intimately include you and I in his vision for the world around us. To know every aspect of your being so intimately and to be able to heal you and to restore you in ways that you never imagined were possible. And then to overflow out of your being in such true and real and joy-filled and life-giving way onto those around you. This is the abundant life. And it starts with being filled with the Spirit. The Jews, when God delivered them by Moses out of slavery in Egypt, they were, God was going to take them into the promised land in Israel, right? And instead... They wandered through the desert for 40 years. Guys, I don't know if you've looked at a map, but uh, Israel is the size of New Jersey. It does not take 40 years, okay? But you know what? They had to wander and wander all around because of their unbelief, because their hearts were not toward God, despite the incredible miracles he did in delivering them out of Egypt. And many of that first generation died off and never even got to see the promised land of Israel because of their unbelief in God. And guys, they had such unbelief after, after even seeing miracles that you and I, I don't know, probably won't see in our lifetime. You know, God split the sea, they walked across it, and then he closed it back together again right as the army, the Egyptian army came in after them and he flooded them and he protected the Jews and got them to the other side safely. After they witnessed these great, great, great miracles, they still faced unbelief. So what does that have to say about you and I? It's not about the, how crazy the miracle is. You know, we can't just say, oh God, if you only showed me this miracle. Because even then we would still have unbelief. Think of where you have unbelief in your own life today. Are you doubting God's power and ability to save you? To heal you? to restore you from sin, to heal your wounds, to heal your brokenness, to cleanse you. My friend, you're not too far gone. And your sins are not too much for God. Because you know what? When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees a beautiful child of God a child of his whom he adores and wants to know intimately, a beautiful child whom he has gifted with unique talents and a unique personality, a human so incredibly unique that only you can fulfill the plans he has for you. No other. Only you have your sphere of people around you that you can impact in your unique way. And he has so, so much goodness in store for you. But you know what? It's up to you to accept them. It's up to you to accept him. It's up to you to accept this gift that he's offering. Because if you don't accept it, he will have to face your sin. And you will have to face your sin. But he's willing to wash that away. And he is able to wash that away. 
It's up to you to lay down your unbelief at his feet right now, to lay your weariness at his feet and to lay your inability at his feet, to recognize that there is literally, absolutely nothing inside of you or me that can cleanse us and that there is absolutely nothing inside of you that can even do good, the good work he has called you to. We begin, even as Christians, falling into routines and doing our mission work or our daily lives, whatever it is, in a default setting, on autopilot, in our own strength, making our own plans, following our own wisdom, and trusting our own guts, when in reality, that's not how the Christian life is to be lived. And not only is that not how it's to be lived, it's not when it will be most abundant and fruitful. Do you want a truly deep and rich and blessed and beautiful and purposeful life, then you need to surrender absolutely everything you have and all you are to Jesus and ask him to fill you with his spirit that his will would be done in you and not your own. In closing, Murray says, my brother, my sister, Is not your whole heart ready to say, that is what I want? I see it. Jesus did not send me to the warfare on my own charges. He did not bid me go and preach and teach in my own strength. Jesus meant me to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, whether I am at home in my house teaching my children. I have nothing else to do, perhaps, but for that I need the power of the Holy Ghost. Whether I have a little Sunday school class or a Bible class or some larger work, the one thing I need is the power of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. Let me conclude by asking, are we all prepared now to receive this from our Jesus? He loves to give it. God delights in nothing so much as to honor his son, and it is honor to Jesus when our souls are filled with the Holy Ghost. Because then he proves what he can do for them. Shall we not claim it? Just let me give you four very little words as steps. Let now everyone who longs for this blessing say, First of all, I must be filled. Say it to God in the depth of your heart right now. God commands it. I cannot live my life as I should live without it. Then say is the second step. I may be filled. It is possible. The promise is for me. Settle that and let all doubt vanish. These apostles, once so full of pride and of self-life, were filled with the Holy Spirit because they clung unto Jesus. And with all your sinfulness, if you will but cling to him, you may be filled. Then thirdly say, I would be filled. To get that pearl of great price, you must sell all. You must give up everything. You are willing, are you not? Everything, Lord, if I may have only that. Lord, would I have it from thee tonight. And then comes the last step, my friends. I shall be filled. God longs to give it, and I shall have it. Never mind whether it come tonight as a flood or in deep silence, or whether it do not come tonight because God is preparing you for it tomorrow. But I say, I shall be filled. If I entrust myself to Jesus, he cannot disappoint me. 
It is his very nature. It is his work in heaven. It is his delight to give souls the Holy Spirit in full measure. Oh, claim it tonight. I shall. My God, it is so solemn. It is almost awful. It is too blessed and too true. Lord, wilt thou do it not? My trembling heart says, I shall be filled with the Spirit. Oh, say to God, Father, I shall. For the name of my Savior is Jesus, who saves all from sin and who fills with the Holy Spirit. Glory to his name. Thank you so much for listening today, friends. I've loved having you here and will love to see you again. Please be sure to stop by patreon.com forward slash shadowlands to donate and get involved. And also don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform because you really don't want to miss out on all the good stuff I got coming. So until next time, cheers. Cheers.